Arizona sports, the local sports leader. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Matt Starks. Matt Starks. Maximum Maximum brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome from the University of Florida, tackle Matt Starks. Final hour of the show here on a Wednesday final segment with uh, with Max Starks, who joins us every Wednesday for Maximum Football. And we're going to look a little NFL draft. I know this is something we can do quite a bit in the coming months, but considering you know, there's so many mock drafts that come out now, Wolf, but there's a couple that immediately when there's a new version of those, or in, in the case of this one, the first one of the year, it gets your attention. And Mel Kuyper Jr. is at, at the top of that list. So he put out his uh, initial mock draft, remember, 31 picks in the first round this year because Miami had to forfeit theirs uh, for tampering violations. So that impacts the Cardinals because that means your second round pick is pick 34 instead of 35. He goes through. He has Jalen Carter out of Georgia going to Chicago at one. He has C.J. Stroud going to Houston at two, which is a bit of a surprise to some people. And then Max, he has Will Anderson going to the Cardinals at three. And his last sentence, they do the little write-up every time. His last sentence is, quote, this would be a home run pick for Monty Austinfort and company, unquote. Now, Max, I know you watch a lot of college football because you cover a lot of college football, which is why you never sleep. <laughs> what can you, uh, what, what, what's your reaction to, to that line about Will Anderson? And just what can you tell us about Will Anderson? in general oh um yeah he would be a no-brainer uh, first and foremost uh he's a guy that i identified as easily probably one of the best plug-and-play guys to make the jump from college to pro um his skill set the dude is tenacious he 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 uses his hands really well he's always moving towards the quarterback which i love you know no matter what the hand fighting is He's always moving his feet in the direction of the quarterback. And he's explosive. I mean, the guy's explosive off the line. I think when you're talking about Cardinals' needs, this this is one of those obvious needs. Once you decided to move on from Chandler Jones, and even while Chandler Jones was here at certain points, you needed the opposite pass rusher. Now you need the main pass rusher to then build. Because the, we have the auxiliary guys, but you need the focal point guy. The guy who's going to draw the double teams and can possibly defeat those double teams. And I think this is one where you think about how Kayvon Thibodeau translated well in his rookie year coming from Oregon going to the Giants. I think Will Anderson is even a bigger version of that. I think a better, more all-time type of player versus Kayvon Thibodeau, who kind of takes plays offs at times. I think Will Anderson is the one that actually is more consistent. From my time watching him in Alabama, that's what he's always been. He's been the focal point for like the last two years on that defense. So talk to me a little bit about Jalen Carter. Who do you think, I know it's impossible to say this, but Jalen Carter, would you rather have a dominant three technique or a great edge guy? What would you rather have? Because, for, okay, I'm going like to have to witness here, to be I, honest. Well, okay. Uh, I, I yeah. just, I'll let you answer. Okay, so I love Jalen Carter, but I feel like I, I, I wanted Jordan Davis a year ago. Um, I think Jalen Carter's good. I think he showed moments where he has been unstoppable, but 
I don't know if he's going to bring that every play. This isn't Aaron Donald we're talking about, right? This is a very big standard issue, three technique that is physical at the point. I, if I'm the Cardinals right now, as much as I chagrin and talk about the run defense of this team and needing to have the interior bolstered, I think with this high a pick, I would rather put my money on Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. Okay, there you oh. go, right there. But but that got a little bit personal. Just theoretically, overall, would you rather a dominant three technique to me is the most dominant force in the football universe. So to me, oh, yeah. that's the one thing that I feel like Jalen Carter has going for him. Yeah, well, I th- and, and he and he's going to draw a lot of attention. But just from the film that I've watched and the games I've called with him, uh, there's moments where you forget he's on the field. And if you're going to be a dominant type yeah. of three technique, uh, yeah. I, I want Jordan Davis type type of scariness. <laughs> I want I want nightmares to be created off of this, right? I like that, and, and, and that's what I don't see. In fact, I would even say, I would even argue Devontae Wyatt as well. Mm-hmm. I would have taken a Devontae Wyatt. I mean, Jalen Carter's good, and when you're thinking about this year's crop, he's the best of the crop. Yeah, but. I don't know if I can say that for me seeing him that I would say, yep, that's a guy I need immediately over a Will Anderson because, who I've seen as well. Because Will Anderson is a baller. That guy that guy loves yeah. the game and he plays the game the way that it should be played. So, Max, the other wrinkle here, obviously, is Monty Austin Fort comes from that Patriots mentality of, hey, let's, t- let's take this one pick and turn it into three picks and we'll take one of those and turn it into three more picks. That, that group where it's like if you grant them three wishes, they use their third one on three more wishes. <laughs> if and especially yeah. with the pretty good. the desperation the teams have for quarterbacks, there's there's no way this draft unfolds where Jalen Carter or Will Anderson isn't there for the Cardinals at three. They might both be there, but if you were getting offered yeah. uh, you know trade packages and they will, I'm sure for that third pick, would you would you look at that? Would you be hesitant because Will Anderson has been so good, or you know what's your mindset there? Well, it just depends on how far back I have to fall. Right. Um, that's going to be always the key because you don't want to lose the play on Will Anderson. So is it moving back two spaces because you got two teams that want quarterbacks mm-hmm. or is it moving? But if you're moving back one space, that team. I don't know why they would want to trade up with you if they know you're not picking a quarterback. Yeah. Or it's just the fear that somebody else is trying to get to, to that place and they just want to make the jump to secure it. That That's where that's where the Monty Austin Fort chess game and shell game begins. I need him to pull a John Lynch, right? You know, where he, you shell him for the number two Mitch Trubisky pick. Like, that, that's the one, the ultimate fleece one. So, you know, if that deal's coming by, then you're like, okay, I can't pass it. But I would think... I think more hay would be made in that day two and flipping some picks because there's a lot of teams with multiple day two picks that maybe you can turn that that one into two possibly three more picks. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point and and that's something we'll only thirty one because there's only thirty one picks in the first round, guys. Remember yeah, that? So, yeah. that's because Miami pick. forfeits, so that second pick is still a first round grade guy up there. It, it basically is, and I'm just looking as you're talking at some of these teams that they might be able to to fleece in a, in a deal for a quarterback that you know, like you said, the Colts pick right behind them, but like Seattle picks five, the Raiders pick seven, the Panthers pick nine. So if you could play those teams off each other, maybe even off Indianapolis, this uh, could 
could get real interesting. Max, great stuff, man. Always good to have you stop by. We'll talk to you again next week. My pleasure. You guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you, brother. You too. That's uh, Max Starks checking in with Maximum Football, as he does each and every week during the football season. We're less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. I don't know if you knew that. And Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. So text SUPER620620 to register. Listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you're going to win tickets to the following events, the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So text SUPER to 620620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. When we come back, did Cam Johnson set the tone for the Suns in their win over the Hornets last night? Maybe a, an interesting wrinkle out of Golden State we at least need to mention, too. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, I got some uh, basketball news for you right here, Wolf. Okay, cool. Here we go. We're going to start with this. Devin Booker, who four weeks ago they said would be reevaluated in four weeks. That's today. Suns provided an update today, which I appreciate. Right? Don't just leave us hanging. He will be reevaluated in one week. Okay. So we're getting closer. So it's one week. It's week to week right now. Yeah. It's not day to day, it's week to week. At this rate, it'll be next Wednesday, it'll be Devin Booker will be reevaluated in 34 hours. Okay. Just keep getting smaller and smaller. How about that right there? Devin Booker is going to be evaluated in another week. That must have been some groin pull right there. Well, this is a situation where I would say take your time. Quite honestly. I mean, the Suns are a much more fun team to watch when Devin Booker's playing. And they're obviously a much, much exponentially better, even than what they are showing on this four-game winning streak when they have Devin Booker. But if they're going to keep winning games, and they don't have to go on a 10-game winning streak, but if you could win like 7 out of 10, you can do then take your time, Book, because unlike Cam Johnson... We don't need to see what you can do in the yeah. regular season. <laughs> you don't need to see what you can do in the regular season. We feel really good about you, Buck. I feel like I know who Devin Thank Booker you. is. Yes. Uh, Smoldering. The other thing, this popped up on Bleacher Report. And I don't want to read the whole story to you, but it just kind of got me wondering what's going on here, okay? <laughs> It says, uh, people around Warriors general manager Bob Myers believe he could become a free agent this summer. And then it, you know, it cites a few people that were part of the story. Um, Anthony V. Slater, Thompson Scrab. I'm just reading their Twitter handles because I don't have their actual names. Sam Amick. And then the second part of the tweet. The Wizards, Knicks, Suns, and Clippers are all monitoring the situation. Okay. What do you mm-hmm. make of that? Well, first of all, you should be monitoring every situation that is out oh, there. If you're a like professional a sport, <laughs> it is a lot of work. If you're a pro- professional sports franchise, you ought to be monitoring everything okay. that goes on inside the football universe, the baseball universe, the basketball, and the hockey. But universe. they didn't list 29 teams and say these 29 teams are monitoring the situation. They isolated four, and the Phoenix Suns, who have a general manager, okay. are one of them. Okay, so that makes me think, first, um, is Matty Ish out there talking? <laughs> See, what is Matty Ish out there saying to people? Uh, listen, I'm going to come in and I'm going to replace everything. I, I have no idea what he's saying right now. I, I think we all would agree we're more than happy with the job that Monty Williams has done and the job that James Jones has done. 
Uh, I, I, mean, I know I that I am. I, on the internet, nobody ever agrees with everything. But yes, I would say yeah, by and large, we would all we would all agree that we're happy with Monty Williams and James Jones. Yes. Not, not that every single thing they've done is right. Right. You know my thoughts on the passing on Tyrese Halliburton. For yes. Guy so, of course, we understand that, Mister Perfect. But not the, everyone. You know what? Have you never made a mistake? I'll tell you what. If I were GM, <laughs> yeah, you would have Tyrese Halliburton, and the rest of your roster would block. <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton, point guard, Iowa State. Halliburton isn't much of a scorer and doesn't turn any heads as an on-ball defender, but he does just about everything else you could ask for on a basketball court of your point guard. He's a strong catch-and-shoot threat from deep, consistently creates shots for his teammates, and thrives as a team defender. Halliburton is the best playmaker in the draft, showing a great understanding of how to read a defense and make the right play based on what they're giving him. Halliburton has a high floor as a guard who can play on or off the ball. So that's okay, a long way you. of saying nobody's perfect, but I think we all like James Jones and Monty Williams. Well, we right? do. So then why, like, when I saw this, when I saw the initial headline, first of all, Bob Myers is what? The most coveted GM probably in basketball. Yeah. He's, he's had a pretty good track. That was my very first thought. There's no way he's walking out of that organization, correct? And this is probably no all. Way. It's probably all just a leverage play or whatever. He probably wants Sean Payton. I don't know, whatever. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of people, too, that would like you to click on that link right there. Yeah. You know, I can I can name you at least three: Anthony V. Slater, uh, yeah, and Sam Amick, and um, I, I just Tom, don't know how you're going to let Marcus that Thompson guy of all guys walk out of that organization. But that, unless he wants out, that doesn't even really. I almost don't even care about that part for just, personal reasons. Unless he wants out. I don't think he wants out for personal reasons. He well, you wants never out know. Unless, the, unless he has like millions of personal reasons in the form of dollars. But I'm a little interested, intrigued by the fact that the Suns are one of the teams they would even mention. Like, look, Bob Myers doesn't go anywhere, stays with Golden State. Yeah. Either way, the Suns were still mentioned here. Yeah. Is it? Is that? Should I just take that as a reminder of there is going to be a new owner in town? Yes. Maybe these playoffs carry a little more weight for the GM and the coach than they would have a couple weeks ago. Well, I think it's safe to say that all bets are off when you're talking about bringing in a brand new owner, especially a guy like Matt Ishbia, again, um, who loves the game, knows the game, and is loaded. I want to be clear. Like, to me, you go into this season, normal circumstances, you go into the playoffs. James Jones, Monty Williams, 100% going to be back next year. Stuff like this, switching owners, I would say 95%, right? So they're still going to be back. Yeah. But just anytime you change the owner, yeah, everything is open to a conversation except sure. Devin Booker. Yeah, and one of the big reasons why, it's the same reason that a general manager and a, did he draft a certain player. If he didn't draft a certain player like James Jones to DeAndre Ayton, it's one of the reasons why there's an asterisk that'll always be there hanging above DeAndre Ayton because James Jones did not draft DeAndre Ayton. Mm -hmm. Not that he wouldn't have drafted DeAndre Ayton at number one, but he did not draft DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton. So again, it's the same thing with an owner coming in. Okay, you've experienced a certain amount of success right here, but I want to put my mark. I want to put my stamp on this organization. 
He wouldn't be the first guy to think that. No, and that all goes out the window if the Suns win two playoff rounds again and they're in the Western Conference Finals. And I would say it probably isn't even in the window, even if they bow out in the first round. I'm not like trying to create this narrative. I didn't create the narrative. Bleacher Report puts it out there. But again, it's a possibility, of course. That's it. I guess it's a small possibility. This is, is, listen, I, I think we get... It was a mercenary league. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It's a mercenary world that we're talking about right now. This is the way that it goes. Many times it's unfair. A player gets cut. It was unfair. Shouldn't have been cut. Was cut. It's 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 not about being fair. It's about this being a mercenary paradigm, and every. Everybody that is involved in it, whether it's in the organization, the front office, the coach's office, or in the locker room, everybody understands that. Stuff happens. People get moved. You don't win, everything changes. Uh, back to what's going on on the floor. Cam Johnson was asked after the game last night, a game where he, what, shot 6 of 7 from 3 and had 24 points in 18 minutes. Pretty good pretty good game for Cam. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, he talked about staying on course while they wait for everybody to get healthy because, reminder, they only have 60% of their starters, which is a lot better than what they've had most of the season, but it's still only 60%. And we don't even have our full team yet. We're missing one, two of the best players in the league. These really, really good players. Campaign, Landry Shamit. Um, that's a pretty good unit right there if you roll those four out plus any other fifth. Um, and, and, you know, I think we just got to keep doing what we're doing. Focus on uh, concepts, not getting too loose, um, and, and staying locked into what we do. That's how we got a lot of wins last year, was we were very consistent with what we did. And I think if we keep that same mindset, we'll be alright. You squared away, dude. He's a square, oh, squared away dude. I, I just, I can't get enough of Cam Johnson. I really cannot. This is a guy, you can see it on his face as well. He, he came out of the locker room on fire, Basinonians, in that first quarter. Absolutely on fire. Came out and lit the lamp. And yet, the total look of expectation on his face as he was doing it, yeah, this is who I am, this is what I do. I love that. And I love the fact he doesn't get too high. He's not one of these guys who explodes. Either way, whether he's down or up, he's kind of in the middle. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. And then the Suns have now moved into a tie for sixth in the Western Conference. You see how quickly this can change. They are also still just a game up on 11th in the Western Conference. There you go. So if you start going the wrong direction again, you're going to be back outside the play in. Uh, play in rather. Um what do you read into the fact, though? Because I've, I've seen this floating around out there. You're going to play Dallas tomorrow. That's the team you're tied with for sixth. Okay. okay? Oh. I'm sure Dallas has had injuries this year, but they have not had injuries like the Suns. And I get it. Head-to-head, Dallas beat the Suns last year. I know Mavericks fans are going to start tweeting this out in that picture yes. of Luka staring at Devin Booker with a smile on his face. I get it. But Dallas has had basically all their players, for the most part. And they have the same record as the Suns, who haven't had yeah. any of their players all right. season. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Five and seventeen was it the twenty-two game stretch? I mean, five does, and seventeen doesn't make me feel any better because it is just a reminder that the Suns are a much better team than Dallas, but can't seem to beat Dallas all of a sudden. 
Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Johnny from the 623 texted in. Can Chris Paul keep playing like this down the stretch and hold the ground uh, until Booker comes back? I'll tell you what. All I care about is if Chris Paul can play like this in late April and beyond. Um, when we come back, what does Andre Turney think went wrong for the Coyotes last night in their loss to Anaheim? We'll ask the head coach next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Coyote Coaches Show with Wolf and Luke. All right, the Arizona Coyotes. This, uh, I don't even want to say rough stretch of the schedule, Wolf, because they've had a brutal schedule for the first almost 50 games now. But they get a break coming up after Saturday. They get St. Louis at home tomorrow. They get Anaheim again Saturday in Anaheim. Joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now is their head coach, Andre Turney. Uh, Bear, thanks for the time. How you doing? Very good yourself, guys. Doing good, doing good. Um, I actually want to start with the game on Sunday where you guys were able to beat Vegas 4-1. to one. And I know you're aware of this, but just to put this out there for everybody else, the, the list of teams you guys have beaten this season, you know, Toronto tight, twice, Colorado, Boston, now Vegas, there's a few other really good ones, Carolina, they are the best teams in the NHL. What do you make of your team's ability to beat those teams? What? as a team is the way we approach those games versus our record, our uh, success against the, the, the bottom team. I think if you look at the, the bottom five team in the league, our record is 1-7-2 and two against those teams, which is for almost the reverse against the top team. So it, it's all a, a mindset for us. We need to, to look at it and learn uh, to approach our approach is definitively different when we play against uh, a top team. So we need to learn from there and uh, get be better, be better at preparing the, the same way and embracing how we need to play to have success. I think when we play against team like Anaheim, we we're we're not going in that game with the same urgency, with the same uh, fear to lose or to get scored, and uh, that lose our game and we pay for it. You know, Bear, um, keep this in mind as I talk to you and ask my question here, but I never played on a winning team. I think I told you that. I played 10 years in the National Football League. I never played on a winning team, and I've experienced many seasons that was very, very difficult because of all the losing. How are you dealing with all of the losing? Because I used to go inside, Bear. Like, I would literally focus on the minutia of of every game in every play— and focus on that and not not even look at the big picture, knowing we probably were not going to win that day. How do you handle all of the losing? I, I think it, it, the way you did it is the way to do it, or it's the way I do it, is to focus on the task at hand, not focusing on the big picture. You need to not, not focusing on what you cannot control, and uh, I tend to focus on what we need to do to be successful and what we need to do when we're the most successful or what we do when we're the most successful, I should say. And that's the way it is. We, even if I focus on all the other stuff I cannot control, right. that, won't, that won't help, I think. So do you think uh, that's most the way your, I approach it. Yeah, do you think most of your players, do you talk to them about that, Barrett? Do you give them that advice on how they should approach it? Yes, we talk about it. And, and you know, 
you've been you've been a, a pro athlete there. It's more complicated than just being a good player, being a winner. You know, winning on a consistent basis. It's not just about being good. It's a you learn that you learn to have the right mindset. Yes. You learn to prepare yourself the right way. You learn to to certain unsung situation, defensive, defensively or special team or whatever. And then you become a winner. That's why it's that tough to win. It's not just about, oh, uh, we have enough talent, we will we, we win. No, it's more complicated than that. So yes. the good thing about our team is they're learning to win. They're, they're, the lesson we had last night, the lesson we had last week, it's soaking in our power. I can see in their eyes, they're taking notes and they're studying the the game and they understand more and more what's the difference in in our game and as painful it can be at losing game it, it's part of the growth you, yes. you look at in in, a, in a hockey uh, you look at championship team they all have been through a tough time and they thought at some point okay now we have talent now we will we will win. No, no, no. It's more complicated than that. And then you go through more adversity, and now you realize, okay, it's not just having talent. It's having talent and having attitude and playing the right way. And now now you really start to get over the hump. So uh, it's a process, and we are in that process of getting better every night and learning from our mistakes. Talking to Coyotes head coach Andre Tourney, uh, Barry, you had Milos Kellerman make his NHL debut last night. Last year you had a ton of guys make NHL debuts, not as many this year, but I found one of your, your comments on that interesting because you, you said, and I'm paraphrasing you to you, so this is strange, but you basically said to, to Milos, you know, just getting here doesn't mean you've made it. Can you kind of expand on that? But, you know, uh, Sometimes you can get lost as a player or as a, as an organization when you have a player who, who plays first game. Oh, okay, you made it. I play in each other. No, you played one game. There's a difference of being a pro a, a pro player and every day and establish yourself in that league. It's a fight of every day. The, the best hockey league in the world. It's the best league in the world. There's no rest. There's no day where you will be comfy. You will say, okay, I made it. Now I'm good. No, no. There's a million players across the world who try to steal your job. So there's not a there's not a comfy league. You know, I, I remember talking with a guy who played uh, 700 game in the NHL and saying to me, I've never been comf- comfortable one day in the NHL. <laughs> Every day was a battle. Every day was a competition. I did not know when I was showing up at the ring next day if, I will be in the lineup if I will be in the power play, if I will be in the fourth line, or if I will keep my spot in the third line, and so on and so forth. So, so that's the NHL. So it, great for Milo, great for the other guys who played their first game. Now the job keep going. It's, I'm not saying it's start because you made it the NHL. Congrats, great job. But now you want to stay there? There's a lot of work remains. So keep grinding, but. Yes, uh, another goal by Barrett Hayton, a two-point game uh, yesterday. What is this guy becoming? He seems like he's developing nicely. What What do you project for Barrett Hayton in the years to come? Well, you know, what I like about it is his compete level, you know, and I always said that, and even early in the, the season when people were, were talking about eights, I was saying, this guy works so hard, he studied the game, 
He doesn't repeat the same mistake. He's trying to get better every day. Good thing will happen. He's he's almost there. He will get over the hump, and that's what happened. I like eight compete level. He's heavy on puck. He has good hands, and he's he's going in dirty area. He's going where uh, where it pays. So I'm really happy for him. Bear, thanks so much for the time as always, man. Good luck against the Blues tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Have a great, great you, day. Uh, you too. That's uh, Coyote head coach Andre Tourney joining us right there as he does each and every Wednesday during the hockey season on the Arizona Sports Line. They get the Blues tomorrow. They get Anaheim on Saturday. And they don't play again until February 6th after that. Wolf, all right, we come back. Final segment of the show. We're going to get back into the coaching carousel because of an interesting twist that Ian Rappaport put on the whole Sean Payton angle to things today. We'll play that for you and react next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You've been listening to the Coyote Coaches Show with Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Sean Payton. Update, 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 update. We are to the point in this whole coaching search, Wolf, where the updates get a little more vague and mysterious. And uh, today is no exception. This is Ian Rappaport from NFL Now earlier today, just about, I don't know, like two hours ago, had this to say about Sean Payton and where he might land. When this all started, the assumption was as soon as Sean Payton decides where he's going to go, then everyone else will know where they're going to go, and then the coaching searches will resume from there. It's now reached a different point, and if you go through the different places that Sean Payton has has interviewed, it does not seem like a second interview is coming with any of those places. First of all, the Carolina Panthers were interviewed where he already interviewed have Frank Reich uh, and Steve Wilkes, along with Kellen Moore, in for second-slash-first interviews there. That seems to be the list as of now. You have the Denver Broncos, who seem to be focusing their attention elsewhere. Not saying he's out, but they do seem to be focusing elsewhere. You have the Houston Texans, who have not yet requested a second interview with Sean Payton. And then he's going to the Arizona Cardinals for a first interview. That is going to be tomorrow, assuming they get through the Dan Quinn interview and make no moves today. So what am I saying, Mike Garofolo? I'm saying that as of right now, it does not seem like there is a place for Sean Payton. We'll see. But it does not seem like there is a place in the coaching world right now. Wow. Are you kidding me? Stop and think about what he just said. Everybody thought it was going to be Sean Payton. He was going to be the domino that was going to collapse everything else. Oh, my goodness. How things have changed. So what is going on? I mean, I know he wants a lot of money, but I mean, there's there's no way to look at this right now if you're a Cardinals fan. And I'm not going to sit here and proclaim, oh, Sean Payton's definitely the best option. I mean, I, I, I would like to be in there for the interview with Dan Quinn and Brian Flores and Sean Payton. I still want to know what Sean Payton has to say about Kyler Murray and how to get this offense to the next level. And that's why I still want to have the interview. But the reality based on what he just said and based on what we're seeing. I mean, Denver had their first interview with him over a week ago. Yeah. If you really, if Sean Payton is your guy and you want him at all costs, he's there. Yeah. You can get him. It doesn't, right. it doesn't seem like you're competing with other teams. It's like, are you are you willing to pay as much as it's going to yes. take to get him? Are you willing to trade whatever it's going to take to New Orleans? Is he your guy? This is weird that yeah. this many teams have had one interview with Sean Payton and been like, yeah, all right, we're going to have a second interview with Frank Reich or somebody else. 
I know. Didn't he go to Carolina as well? He did. He actually went out to Carolina. Yeah. He was interviewed. Because I know he was Carolina. having some of the interviews in L.A., but I think that's when he actually left. Florida. Yeah. So it is uh, It is definitely odd right now. Um, Sean Payton. I've, I've been thinking for the longest time now. The Arizona Cardinals wanted to interview Sean Payton last. They wanted to do it last. And that seems to make a lot of sense. That's it's, what you've it's right wanted. there. You know what? You've gone everywhere else. You've, you've been every. How about right here? You're home, Sean, right? How about right here? And I'm wondering why his time with the Denver Broncos was, um, he was supposed to do it Wednesday night, tonight, right? Yeah. He was supposed to go and hang out with them, and that has been delayed, I think is the... Delayed was the terminology. Delayed his, was the term that was used. meeting. Now, they, Not nobody, canceled. No, and nobody has, nobody has said Sean Payton delayed it or Denver delayed it. They just said it's been delayed. Okay, so that seems so nefarious, does it not, based on audience right there? Delayed. What does that mean? Well, you know what? We wanted to delay it, our second interview with him, so to speak, until actually you went to Arizona and you met with them because we wanted to be last so that we could say, what is it going to take for you to stay here right now? What is it going to take? But if you really wanted him to be your coach, if you're Denver, right, you just go all in and you're like, hey, guess what? You're not even going to get to the point where you're going to want to talk to Arizona. So what because if he, look what we can offer you. So then why was that delayed? The meeting tonight? It could have been was him. supposed to happen. It could have been him saying, hold on, I want to talk to Arizona before I agree to anything. Okay. Why? Well, you're right about that. There it is. It was delayed because he said, I want to go to Arizona. Don't look at me with your mile-high eyes. I want to go to Arizona. That sounds That's like what I want to do. Song, but not like a real song, like a song by I'm a cover sure band. I'm sure John Denver would come up with that as well. He already <laughs> has, I'm sure. But you get my point. It's, it's fascinating to me. What is going on with Sean Payton right now? It's the biggest twist to all of this. There, have you heard anyone else out there saying he's been offered? the job. No, and see that's the thing. This this um this quote from Ian Rappaport came out in the middle of our show. But we were talking in the first hour how weird it is that he has not gone somewhere yet. It's been what the regular season ended over 2 weeks ago. Yeah, but you know what? You, if you offered him the job and he didn't take it, when you kind of leak that story to let people know <laughs> we're in it. Yeah. We we're in it. We we offered him. We wanted John Payton, just so you know. That's where this doesn't add up. So when he doesn't sign so when he signs with somebody else, don't look at us like we didn't offer him. We did. And so hundred percent. If somebody offered him and he didn't take it and like they knew they're not getting him, let's yeah. just say it was Houston. Okay. Yeah, let's, right. So wouldn't Houston be like, Hey, look, Fans, we tried to get Sean Payton. Yeah. He didn't want to come here, right. so now we're going to go out and hire D'Amico Ryan's or whatever. I know they can't hire Ryan's, but yes, yeah. but but right. somebody. The fact that nobody has hired anybody, Sean Payton hasn't been hired and hasn't been offered and, by what I understand. And everything just seems stuck right now. I mean, the next domino to fall, unless Dan Quinn gets hired this afternoon by the Cardinals or somebody else, seems to be. The Cardinals interviewing Sean Payton. It seems like everybody's kind of waiting on that now. Okay, I, we need the fact checker right now. Mel, have you heard anything, anything whatsoever about Sean Payton being offered the job? No. Okay. No, that's not yeah. out there. 
Okay, it's not out there. No. I mean, I haven't seen it. I trust. I went Maloney. right over your head right there. That was and nice. you were right to do it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not denying it. But in this case, I also know that that's not out there. Yeah, okay. Wow. See that? That's also really nefarious, based on our conversation earlier of the first interview and the import of the first interview as compared to the second interview. <laughs> what was because your we logic? all know the first interview has just got to be. Am I going to be able to work with this guy, or is he an absolute jerk? So then. And if Sean Payton's not getting second interviews, is he an absolute jerk? <laughs> I, to be fair, you did I, put that theory out there I before, before yes, all this. Before yes, before all of this And then mess. when that Ian Rappaport thing came out, I was like, first of all, Wolf, Wolf has never interviewed for anything. What does he know? And then secondly, I was like, wait, does this mean Sean Payton's a jerk? Because nobody's interviewing him I, twice. I'm just saying right now, it's just, it's so weird. Why is somebody not step for what we offered him? Just so you know. Uh, he's going somewhere else, but we are. Off we him. did everything we, we did could everything. do. We were holding on to his ankles as he was walking out of the facility. <laughs> uh, you well, know, that's a just, weird interview. It is weird. Uh, all right, we've done everything we can do. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, <laughs> Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.